Diabetes Revolution podcast with Dr. Sarah Townley, the type 2 diabetes coach, clinical pharmacist, and mom of six angels. You don't have to struggle and fight with your blood sugars for the rest of your life. I'm here to teach you the skills you need to control and even reverse this disease. There is such a thing as getting off your meds and creating a future free from diabetes. And you can have it too. Let's get down to business. Hello, my friends. I'm really kind of settling back into this podcast groove. Well, I've made like three in the last week. You didn't know that, but (laughs) I wanted to make sure y'all were taken care of before I head out to a trip with my husband for a baby moon in Belize tomorrow. So by the time that you get this podcast, I will be hopefully enjoying the sun and the sand and the surf in Belize, which I've never been there before. So I'm really excited. (laughs) One of my clients was telling me today some very sage advice, which is not to point underwater when I'm snorkeling at anything because someone that she knew who was doing that in that area of the country or of the world had their fingertip bitten off by a giant eel. And I'm trying not to Google what do giant eels look like, (laughs) because I don't need any more things to worry about right now while I try to get six kids situated and um, leave for a week from my house. (laughs) So uh, I can't wait to be, you know, just kicking it. I hope I can remember what it's like to be footloose and carefree with my husband again, y'all. That is actually my intention. My sole intention is to breathe the air of freedom deep into my lungs and just feel carefree. Because I have to tell you, adulting, it just, it's a lot of responsibility. (laughs) And so, um, It can kind of just put a cramp on your style, you know? Okay, so today I am going to talk to you about a type of thinking that definitely comes up in, I'd say, most of my clients, not everyone, but for sure most of them frequently when we're trying to move a mountain, right? We're trying to do the impossible. We're reversing type 2 diabetes and getting off of meds, which is a big, hairy, audacious goal. And For many of my clients, it's their thinking that is the biggest obstacle when it comes to changing their health status, their future, and liberating themselves from a lifetime of chronic disease. And this is a mindset that I call perfectionist thinking. So it comes up in lots of different ways, but I've noticed it... Like I had this period of time over the summer where I noticed it happening with several of my clients all in the same week in one form or another. And it was so funny because my husband has been functioning in a new leadership role where he works for, you know, several months now. And the type of work he does, which is in hospital pharmacy, attracts a lot of perfectionist type personalities. And so I was studying him because he's like the opposite of a perfectionist. (laughs) I distinctly remember 
when we were beginning to teach our kids how to do chores, you know, like vacuum the floor or empty the dishwasher or load the dishwasher, that I used to get kind of, I used to have a hard time letting go of those things because I wanted them done a certain way. And he would tell me, listen, Sarah, they're not going to do a good job. (laughs) It's not about the job getting done perfectly. It's about them learning how to do it and to expect that it won't get done right, right? The right way, quote. And that sticks out to me when I'm talking about this now because it was such sage advice. And I've watched him in this role at work where he's working with all these perfectionist type people and he is the opposite. So he's interested in what's the next best option, the next most effective action that we can take now in order to move us closer to where we want to go and farther away from what isn't working. (laughs) And sometimes it's, you know, it's not perfect. It's not exactly what everybody wanted, and we don't all agree necessarily, but it's doing something that is going to improve the situation instead of what perfectionists often do, which is do nothing. So what is this need to be perfect? Like, what is this all about? Well, first we have to sort of define what is perfect. See, we all forget that this is actually a judgment. We think that perfect means without flaw, without imperfection, right? But remember, we are the one that decides what is perfect, what is flaw, what is imperfection. And this state of being does not exist outside of our mind. And from one person's mind to another, it can be very different. And so I think that's really important to recognize is that it's a subjective judgment. And interestingly, so is, quote, failure. And so when you start to see that this is something that you're literally making up in your mind, what you think is perfect or doing it right, (laughs) it starts to feel less real and not something that is so set in stone that you can beat yourself with. (laughs) So how this shows up in the work that I'm doing with my clients is oftentimes either as all or nothing thinking or avoiding an inaction. Okay, so let's look at this all or nothing thinking. So this is like a rule-based mentality with lots of requirements It's often overcomplicated with many rules and have-tos, and it can be overwhelming. So this would be like, you know, trying to dial in your macros exactly down to the gram, or um, using an app to track every single thing, or counting how many ounces of water that you're drinking. And I'm not saying that these are bad. I'm just saying that they can feel like lots of rules, lots of restrictions, and very overcomplicating and overwhelming. This can also look like, I mean, the real telltale sign is when you have all these rules and you want to follow them 100% of the time. And when you don't, then you don't follow it at all. (laughs) So I'm thinking particularly about the kind of food choices that we're making. So 
We have all been in a situation where it wasn't ideal. It wasn't supportive necessarily of what we would say was on plan. Okay, maybe somebody else was serving the food at their house or we went out to eat and they didn't have what we could see was a clear, good choice for us to stay on plan. Or we just have our plan and then we go off our plan because we ate like a Tootsie Roll (laughs) and then we stop following the plan altogether and in fact can sometimes do some pretty destructive things because we messed up. Okay, so that would look like not following your plan at all for the rest of the day. When you went off plan at like 11.03 a.m. on your way passing the candy jar to the bathroom at work. That I see often in my, I've seen that in myself, you know, and I've also seen that in my clients is just this difficulty with getting right back on track because they're staying in beating themselves up and feeling like they've messed up and they haven't done it right. The other time that I can think of in particular with a client I was just coaching was she likes to be done eating by 6 p.m., right? We work with some intermittent fasting windows, which can look different from client to client. But for her, her window allowed her to eat until 6 p.m., But sometimes she was out and about. She's very social and she's at somebody's house and they didn't serve food until like 6.30 for dinner. And because of that, she felt like everything was ruined and she couldn't be on plan at all. So she ate a bunch of things that she probably wouldn't have if she could have eaten by the end of her window at 6 p.m. You see how judging herself is failing or not doing it right, not being perfect, caused her to make subsequent decisions that were unnecessary, but just a a direct result of needing to be perfect. And then, of course, we've all had difficulty getting back on plan sometimes when we've messed up, especially if we've like been on vacation or something and it's been uh, several days in a row. And what's happening is there's this point in time where you go off plan, maybe for a really good reason even, you know, and then there's a, you know, the next time we're on plan. So there's a space between the time we went off plan and the time we were back on our plan. And that space in between is up to you how long you're going to stay stuck in the middle there. When we're stuck in the middle, we're usually beating ourselves up, right? We're judging ourselves because we didn't do it perfectly. We are feeling regret about what we decided to eat or do. Maybe we just missed some workouts and we're feeling regret that we didn't get them in. And then some of us feel some pretty intense emotions like shame, like, you know, the shame spiral where you just feel worse about it. The more you think about it, you feel more shame and you start judging yourself on top of it and telling yourself things that are going to keep you stuck in that space between and even cause you to feel kind of hopeless. All that is needed is to make the next best decision, right? The next best decision that's available to you could put you right back, quote, on track, (laughs) Which is also sort of this thing we make up. It's like I'm off track or I'm on track. Maybe I'm just on a journey and there's lots of things that are going to happen, but that doesn't mean I'm off my journey. I'm just 
in a journey figuring out how to get closer to my goal with every single decision that I'm making next. The second big category of behaviors that I notice that tip me off to the fact that this client is having some perfectionist thinking is avoiding or inaction. Okay, inaction meaning not taking any action. This can look like procrastination. Perfectionists often procrastinate, right? Because they're waiting until everything is just right or perfect in order for them to take action. And that causes them to not even start at all. Okay, so notice if you're doing that. Are you thinking that there's the right time for you to get started? (laughs) To get that project done? To start working out again? Like, what is that about? That's this idea that you have to have it exactly ideal and perfect in order for it to work. There's also this behavior of over-researching all your options, you know, like with the Googles, checking out all these different options out there for how you want to approach this or what kind of plan or diet or exercise program whatever, like you're interested in doing a whole lot of research, spending hours of time on your computer, looking at what all the different ways to do it are, thinking there's a right way to do it. Maybe it's just doing something that you need to do, but people who are having this, you know, falling victim to this perfectionist thinking have this idea that there's a best way or a right way to do it. And so they get lost right? And looking at all of these different options, and they often get stuck in all these little details that don't really matter. And that can feel very overwhelming. And when you get overwhelmed, guess what? You don't do anything. You don't make decisions. You don't take action. You just stay in limbo. Okay. And then, you know, when we're wanting it to be perfect, we often worry that we're not going to be capable of being perfect. <laughs> and so then we just don't do anything. So maybe this is you. Do any of these behaviors sound relatable to you? I wouldn't be surprised if they are because they're very common. <laughs> so the next question that I love to answer is why do I do this? Why am I thinking that I need to be perfect? Why is this so important that it's causing me to do all of these things, even sometimes? destructive things? Well, let's answer that question because it's actually fascinating. (laughs) So perfectionism is just the mindset that rejects anything that is not perfect. It's not acceptable if it's not perfect. So we reject it. So even 80%, for example, isn't quote good enough which then often leads to us choosing 0%, right? Not making a decision is still making a decision to do nothing. (laughs) Why would we do that? Well, we're not usually aware we're doing this, okay? But here's the psycho, you know, analytical answer to this. And I think it's pretty accurate. So we've attached, the reason why we're so attached to perfectionism is because we've attached our self-worth to how perfect our work is. Okay, so 
Our self-worth meaning our worthiness of love and acceptance. When we open our self-worth to our judgment, as well as like other people's judgments, right? Which both of them are just made up. What we think other people are thinking about us is our own thoughts about us most of the time. <laughs> Unless we've like told us what they're thinking about us. But we're we're opening up our self-worth to judgments from ourselves and from other people. And we believe that we have to be without flaws, without imperfection, to be worthy of love and acceptance. It's kind of a big deal. But we're created 100% worthy of these things, right? Think of a baby that's born, right? What, what baby has to earn love and acceptance, they just are born 100% worthy of love and acceptance. Just, it is. That's just how it is, right? However, as that baby grows, and as all of us grew up, most of us grew up in our childhood, I would say all of us, actually. All of us experienced, we experienced conditional love, conditional acceptance as children. We were treated favorably, praised, recognized when we were, quote, good, and then corrected, scolded, punished, even rejected when we were, quote, bad. So we learned that being good meant receiving love and acceptance, and being bad meant rejection, unworthiness. I went through this program I would say maybe like nine months ago, where I learned about different saboteurs in the mind. Um, They're kind of like characters, okay? And I found out that I have an overachiever saboteur. It's an overachiever tendency that I believe came from the recognition and praise that I got as a child when I achieved, right? We all understand this. I mean, I'm, I'm for sure doing this with my kids when they do something at school or many of us have our kids in sports and they perform well, we recognize and we praise them when, we, when they do those things. Well, for me, I developed this overachiever tendency in order to fill that worthiness, that acceptance and that love bucket. And I even took this on as an adult for myself. So what this means is, I would witness myself withhold love and acceptance from myself when I judge that I'm not, quote, doing it right or, quote, good enough. Interesting, right? I was shaming myself and not giving myself forgiveness, acceptance, love when I thought I wasn't doing it good enough. These are, this is interesting because I'm the one that's deciding it's not good enough, right? It's not like some universal judgment out there that I learned from somebody else. It was just what I was making up in my mind. And this is just really useful to see because when we start to attach as children our worthiness to our level of perfection, we understand why we have this imperative need to be perfect or else, right? And when you understand that this is the psychology or the reasoning behind it, 
it starts to inform the solution, which is to stop doing that. (laughs) Instead of perceiving a mistake or a flaw as a threat to our worthiness or acceptability or our lovability, we can extend compassion and forgiveness to ourselves. Like, oh, I am an imperfect human. That's pretty normal. It's okay, right? (laughs) It's actually flossom. I just learned this word the other day, (laughs) which means that you recognize your flaws, but in, in spite of them, you still think you're awesome. (laughs) I think that's awesome. And you know what? Perfection is not required. I love, love, love pointing this out to my clients every chance I get how doing it imperfectly still got results. Lots of failing and trying again was required to get results. To make progress, you had to make a lot of mistakes. Expect to fail many times. I mean, how many times are you willing to fail in order to reverse your diabetes? And remember, failure is just a judgment. I actually qualify failing as quitting, right? Like giving up completely. So as long as I don't quit, I can't fail. I decide to learn instead, right? Get excited every time you do it, quote, wrong, because it's an opportunity to get smarter and more strategic about what will work next time. Because you can bet there's going to be another opportunity in the near future to try again, as long as you don't give up. So what do you want to take home from this conversation, you know? I think the first thing is how important it is to gain awareness Right? We can't change what we don't understand. So we can't fix what we can't even see. So it's good to start to see all the ways that this type of thinking, this perfectionist type thinking, is coming up in your life. Like what situations are you in? Um, what kinds of reactions are you having? What kinds of results do you create? What kinds of situations do you know that you're thinking you need to do it perfectly in order for you to be successful? Because it's it's a lie. It's not true. Okay, and then the second thing is going to be extending yourself permission to be a learner, to be a beginner, to do it wrong, right? Think of how we support somebody we love, you know, your partner or your child when they're learning how to do something new. Right? We don't we don't often treat ourselves the way we would treat them, but it's such a good template or example of how to react or address a situation in which we make a mistake. So once you give yourself permission to be a beginner again, and you get good at giving yourself some grace when you don't quote do it right, you might even be able to get to the place where you you invite mistakes because you see them as opportunities like you can get excited and see it as an opportunity to learn to get more connected to yourself about what's been going on for you that causes you to not follow your own plan or not follow through on something you know would get you closer to your goal would create health would solve this problem for you 
you can skip the part where you judge yourself and you beat yourself up. And you can get to the part where you forgive yourself and you let it go. And then just focus on making the next best decision that you can at that moment. What's the next best step that you can take in the direction that you actually want to go? Once you can see all the ways that this perfectionist thinking has been spinning you out, causing you to take no action, causing you to even self-sabotage, and then realize that in those moments, I can actually give myself permission to make a mistake. It's okay, and it's not required to be perfect. When I don't do it right doesn't mean that something is wrong with me, right? Then you can actually just let it go and then focus on what you want to do next from a place of empowerment. That's what I want for you. And so I'm hoping that seeing this particular type of tendency to want to do it perfectly and why we're so attached to that helps you get more clarity on how to overcome it. All right. Well, that is what I have for you today. And remember... If you need some help with this, you know where to find me. You can get on my website, sarahtownley.com. Check out what I have to offer. There's tons of free tools on there. And if you're compelled or feel called, you can click on the work with me button and submit an application and we can talk person to person and I can see if I can help you. Have a great rest of your day and I will see you on the next podcast. High five for tuning in with me today. You are getting smarter and stronger when you show up for yourself this way. You can get more free tools to help you control type 2 diabetes on my website, sarahtownley.com. And if you're serious about ending your struggle with diabetes, join my membership, The Diabetes Revolution, where you work with me in a community of people just like you. See you on the next episode.